Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing great. Ready to play some board games. We are talking about board games today, some of our top favorites, and why play board games? Is it just for fun, or is there actually more to it? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't always think that was the case. I would say that I am a reluctant convert to the value of board games. I always heard about people who had like closets full of board games, hundreds of board games in their basements, that sort of thing, and thought that was kind of weird. And then we started playing lots of board games, and now we are those people <laughs> with probably close to, I don't know, close to 100 games in our, our closet. They, they all fit upstairs for the most part. but Yeah, we've definitely been growing our collection over the last year especially as we've had some time as a family. And I think one thing that got us to collecting a little bit more too was someone sent us a box of eight board games to try that they gifted to us. These was one of those people that had hundreds of board games in their collection and decided to share some of their collection with us. Yeah, that was was very nice. It was Uh, very fun. That was actually after we had amassed quite a collection of our own, which is why I was talking to him about it. And then he's like, oh, you're into board games? Well, here, I have a bunch of extras that you might like. (laughs) So they sent us a curated list of games for the the kids because they knew specifically. Different ages, yeah. And there's some good ones on that list. We're going to talk about some of those here in a minute. Yeah. But to start us off, we want to share some of the value of board games because it does go beyond simply having fun, which in and of itself, there is great merit to that, to unwinding and having fun and relaxing. Mm -hmm. You may or may not know this, but it helps in brain development in all ages at different levels. For younger children, it actually helps develop their hand-eye coordination. Lots of different games, whether it's a simple uh, go-fish type game or if there's more dexterity, dexterity involved, they are learning different skills and learning how to coordinate their little bi- little bitty bodies. <laughs> and then for older kids, obviously, you tend to get into some of the more complex strategy type games, which develop those critical thinking skills, the planning, the organizing, Mm -hmm. the making good decisions, which is kind of interesting when you think about it, how a 30-minute board game can be a microcosm of you make a decision and you see the outcome of that decision. You learn to evaluate the outcome and Mm -hmm. make maybe a different decision the next time, which is a valuable skill that carries out through the rest of your life. So Yeah, it's a fun way to help develop them. And the more they play one game in particular, they learn the ins and outs and nuances of the game and are able to make better decisions to have a better outcome, whether that's an individual victory or a team victory for the game, if it's collaborative. But also for younger children, I wanted to touch on that. This is a really great skill that they learn is learning to wait their turn. <laughs> yep. Anyone who's had children, young children, have they know that Patience doesn't come naturally for any of us mm-hmm. in waiting our turn and sharing and letting others take their turn. That is a very valuable skill to, to develop and games does that. Yep. Also helps you to focus on one particular thing. Seems like our entire world is kind of built on this constant competition for your attention. People are always multitasking. 
And being able to shut all that stuff out and focus on one thing, that sounds like maybe that wouldn't translate over real well to writing an article, for example, or anything that you might have to do for work. But I really do believe that if you are constantly going to your phone, you're just checking you know, your email, your social media, you don't let yourself be fixated on one thing that's not the TV <laughs> for, or a screen for any length of time, then it's harder for you to focus in the quote unquote real world as well. So mm-hmm. games can help you direct your attention intentionally towards a specific thing or, or event. And then that translates into other areas of your life as well. Yes. And for children, that's very meaningful when their parents take the time to have their undivided attention as a group or one-on-one, whatever it may be, putting the phone away, putting distractions away, and just engaging in that game. Whether it's a short game, whether it's a longer game, that is very, very important. It's building relationships. I have found that when we all just relax, we do one thing all together, it's like the barriers are broken down. The any hindrances to conversation are starting to break down. And we actually can engage in more conversations. They start to open up more. And you can't have any relationship without time spent. And playing yep. games is an incredible, well-spent time together. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting thing because we just talked about focus, right? Being able to just fix your attention on, on one thing at a, a time. But it is true that when you do play a game with somebody, you do have a a more open door for conversation. Uh, It's really the only type of multitasking that works, (laughs) in my opinion. Playing a game and talking. And talking, yeah. I mean, maybe you can like listen to a podcast while you do housework or at the gym or something, but uh, you're not like, you can't have your specific attention directed towards you know two different things at, at a time but uh something magical about playing those board games with people where it does open up those those conversations which that's something that's very important to us that was why we made our schmidt's family standard operating procedures back in the day uh was because we wanted to make sure we had a an environment where we were able to have those conversations with our our kids and, and board games have been a a big help for that. Uh, Another big thing here, you had touched on like being a good, uh, learning to be gracious and winning and things like that, but also you have to learn how to lose. Yes, that is very good and very important. Yeah, we kind of are in a society where everybody's a a winner. You participated, good job. I get the spirit behind that. You know, we're not making a value judgment about anybody's character or personhood. But the truth is that we're not all going to win all the time. And you can tell when people are used to winning and then they have to deal with defeat and they're not equipped to do that, it really can just rock their world. It's kind of like growth versus fixed mindset. You know, fixed mindset can be for something that you are naturally gifted at as, as well, sometimes even more so because you get so used to being better. And then as you progress up the ranks, you know, for sports, for example, you go from high school to college to professional if you get to that level it gets harder as you go and as you climb to the next level there's a good chance there's somebody better than you so you're going to lose and if you've never lost that can completely shatter your your identity so games are a, a way to get them accustomed to losing the little things that don't really matter yeah you know and then when the big stuff happens 
they're they're able to roll with those punches because it doesn't completely knock them off their feet. Yes. Another great value is that it boosts language skills. Your vocabulary, your children's vocabulary will increase by playing different games because each game has its own framework of grammar, of uh, vocabulary, if you'd call it that, for Mm -hmm. the rules and the rules of engagement for the game, what things are called and how you interact. That will all be things that will increase the level of their vocabulary and their language skills and that practice in conversing in learning the rules and asking questions and talking through like, what should my next move be? Mm-hmm. Those are all really great ways for them to practice those skills. And some of my favorite games are actually the collaborative games where you have to work as a team. Mm-hmm. And if we all win, we win or lose as a team, yep. because then there's that much more conversation and it's more positive overall because it's not just, you know, pitting yourselves against each other. There's going to be one winner. We all get to work together. I do love those collaborative games. And there are lots of different types of games, obviously, that we're going to be talking about here. But one other really important one, I think, is that. Playing board games allows you to do all of these things while not staring at a screen. Yes, yes. (laughs) Which that maybe sounds a little bit opinionated. Like, well, what's so bad about the screens? Like all of this critical thinking, problem solving, learning type stuff. There are apps and programs that can teach us those skills too, right? And yes, they, they can. But there is something different. It doesn't always translate to the real world. And so talking to somebody on an app is very different than talking to somebody in directly. Mm-hmm. You know, a Zoom call is different than being in person talking to someone. And so being able to break free from those screens, uh, what the screens do is they they kind of create this dependency for more screen time. Yeah. And you can frame it as like, well, this is a good positive use of these screens, but there is something that hooks you and tries to draw you back to it. Uh, if you see little kids, for example, when they're exposed to uh, an iPhone or an iPad or something, you know, when they're they're really little, they just attach to it. And the moment that you try to, to take it away, they get upset. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of adults are the, the same way, except... <laughs> It's not quite as emotional. It's not quite as visible sure. when it happens, right? So this is something that we need to foster in our ourselves and in our kids is we need to break free from the devices every once in a while. Mm-hmm. We cannot always put ourselves in the position where we are subject to the, the siren song of our technology. Mm-hmm. And so getting away and just like, putting your phone away and not even looking at it, be, being totally engaged for an hour while you're playing a board game, that's good practice for that. Yes, yes. And in doing that, we have found that it is very relaxing and de-stressing. Mm-hmm. It's so fun and it just helps everyone just to take a step back from all the craziness and sit, relax at the table and enjoy that time together. It also, it's like positive reinforcement to be together Mm -hmm. it's like you're not out we found ourselves 
the last few weeks for whatever reason. There's a lot of factors. But I feel like we're correcting our kids all the time. And we're like, where did <laughs> this fun atmosphere go? Where did our kids go that usually listen pretty well overall? We just want to have fun with no our No one's kids again. perfect, but we usually just have a lot of fun. And it's been a lot of correction. And sometimes we just need to break out of that funk, break out of those attitudes and do something different. Yep. And switching focus, you mentioned focus before, and playing a game together is like, positive reinforcement for no i want to spend time with you mm -hmm. let's create this positive environment so i'm not just always correcting you for bad behavior no i want to spend time with you in a positive fun way exactly uh, when you play a game with somebody you're you're saying that you are the most important person right now yeah and so you can do that obviously one-on-one -on -one, which is kind of how this started for me when we were doing the one-on-one -on -one with the I was in one-on-ones with the boys and they would always bring a game as we would go to the coffee shop and we'd play a game and have coffee. They'd have hot chocolate for 45 minutes, an hour, once a week, and then we'd rotate who came every single single time. Uh, with COVID, we didn't go to the coffee shop and we kind of morphed that into we're going to play board games regularly as a family. And for a long time, we played a board game every single night. And so uh, we're kind of figuring things out, things are opening up, going back to a quote unquote normal, right? But we, this is one thing that we re recognize the value of when we were doing it consistently in quarantine and we want to continue to get the benefit from this and we want to share some of the, the games that we have enjoyed over the last several months and years uh, as maybe places for you to start if you're new to this. Uh, not all of these games are going to be a great fit for everybody, but these are some of our favorites and we'll try to describe how they work so you can decide which ones really are a good fit for you and your family. Yes. Yeah, so with that being said, I will actually start with Story Cubes because this is a super fun just dice game. It they look like dice. There's mm -hmm. nine of them in a little box. The one that the children seem to enjoy the most is the Actions Story cubes, there's a few different ones you can get. And what they do is you roll the, you take, just take turns, you roll the dice and whatever's facing up, you can put them in any order you want and make your story out of it. You can be as elaborate or as simple as you want and any age can play it. Mm -hmm. And I have found that you can just pick this up and play this anytime and it's really, really fun. Anyone can do it. So with the nine cubes, there's 54 images total on these dice over 10 million different combination possibilities, <laughs> if you do the math, and in infinite stories. So I wanted to start with that because that's one where that's a favorite. We've had that one for a few years. Yes. Uh, and there are different add-on packs for those. Story yes. Cubes. So there's a base one, and then there are the actions, like you said. I forget what the other ones are. I think there's four of them all together, but they are really cool, and they have different versions of how you can play these. Mm -hmm. So you could, you know, instead of rolling all the dice and you tell your own story, you could do like the telephone game where each yes. person selects one part and then they yep. tell the next part of the story. I've actually been doing that in my class with the, my class of boys that I have on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. We do the telephone version where they each add on and they, they're just rolling laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. I think my favorite would be Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I don't even know what specifically about this fascinates me so much. But the basic idea is that you have all of these little tiles, which are 
different shapes and they represent different rooms that you can use to build your castle. And if you play between you know, two to four people and everybody is building their own castle, so each time you go around, there's a different person who is the master builder who sets the prices for the rooms and then you pay the money to the master builder, you get the room, you add it on to your castle and you get points based on the types of rooms and the additional modifier cards that you have. I think the big reason I like this is I just like building castles. <laughs> <laughs> it brings you back to childhood with your Legos. <laughs> it does. But uh, the, the other thing that's cool about this is that the game is never the same. Even though yeah. the mechanics of it are pretty straightforward, it's different every single time because of those modifiers that you get bonus points for different things. So you could have like the number of activity rooms, the person who has the most in that category, they get additional points at the end or the person with the most uh, or the largest square footage of outdoor rooms, you know, and then you end up with these really crazy looking castles at the end, which is always entertaining to see yeah. how people are putting these together uh, because you're limited by the shapes that you have. You can't, you know, build over something else. It's all like these little tiles that you play on the, the table itself. Yeah. Yeah. This one is not great for real little kids. I think it's ages 13 and up. And it takes a while, probably 60 to 90 minutes until you get the the hang of it. And then it maybe moves a little mm -hmm. bit quicker. But this one's really fun. Our son is, has been playing it, though, since he was probably 10. Yeah. So yeah. if, you know, they can play when they're younger, it just, you have to sometimes engage with them a little bit more. Yep. Kids will like the castle building aspect of it. Yes. <laughs> but it's a little bit of a complex game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you get the hang of it, it's definitely very replayable. Yeah. I would say another favorite of mine would be Codenames. It's a very simple game, but mm -hmm. it's super fun. It's a social word game, and it's simple but challenging. You have all these cards. There's probably hundreds of cards that have just random words on it. And what you have is you put out 25 of these cards, and you have. we usually play it where there's uh, four of us, but you can play it with two or eight or more, two to eight or more. And it says 14 and up, but our son again plays it, who's 11. He's been playing it since I think he was nine. And what you do is you actually, you, you have two that are like the code, code makers, code makers, and then the code breakers yep. on the other side. And you have this special card that shows you which what is your code. So it'll be it'll let you know like you're red. So look for all the red cards that it indicates on the code, and you have to try and correlate them. And you have to give a one word clue, and then the code breaker that's on your team on the other side of the table has to try and guess, and they touch the card that they think it is. Yep. And the thing that makes this fourteen up probably is just the the words that are on the cards that are facing up that everybody sees because they give you a ton of cards to yeah, choose from. Yeah, it's a lot of cards. So if there's some that, because we have a card that sometimes like, well, what's a labyrinth, you know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just take those out and pick something that's a yeah, little bit so, simpler. Yeah, when we first set out the 25 cards, we make everyone look and read them. If there's one you don't know, we'll just switch it out for another one. That Hence yep. it being um, scalable for a younger child. Yep. Another really fun one is Carcassonne. I think this is maybe the game we have played the most, either this or Castles. Probably Carcassonne. Yeah, Carcassonne is another tile-based game where you have a single board 
and everybody adds to it. So you reach into the bag and you pull out a tile and you place it somewhere on the 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 board. And as you place it, it, it kind of grows. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like rivers, roads, and rails where certain things have to line up with certain things. There's cities which have to line up with cities and then kind of like fields that line up with other fields and roads. But you can't have like a road that connects with an, a field. So the things have to line up and the cards are designed in such a way that they always fit together, but they always make like these different combinations. And as you're pl- you're laying these tiles, you are placing your meeples, the little colored character guys, on like a city to claim it or the field or the road. And then when you complete those things, you get points. Yeah. So uh, you build this out as you go. You get points as you go. And then at the end, you do a, a last round of, of scoring and then you add up, you know, whoever had the most points, they, they win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a pretty chill game. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very easy to learn, I would say. They have a grandma that loves playing it with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there are lots of expansions that you can use to e- expand the the vanilla game. Mm-hmm. So the the, the they do lots of interesting things. Like there's one called the princess and the dragon. So now you've got a dragon that you move around the board that can eat the meeples for the things that you have claimed. And so it kind of like resets the board. Yeah. Uh, we've got this, it's called the big box and it comes with like 13 different expansions. It's pretty crazy. For yeah. And every, uh, every expansion that you add adds more tiles to the game. So it ends up taking longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, on average, I would say you could probably complete a round of this, just the vanilla game in like 30 minutes. Once you get the hang of it and you mm-hmm. understand how it works. But when you add in even a couple of expansions, now this is two to three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can kind of use this to design the type of experience that you want with the game, which I think is is kind of cool. Not a lot of games that have expansions do it in a way like Carcassonne does, where it feels more plug and play, and you can swap things in and out real easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one we often do stick with just the original Carcassonne set without the Mm. expansions. But our oldest son, he's such a board game nerd that he will set, in the past, he set up the (laughs) game himself for a single player and he plays it with all the expansions. Another favorite of mine is actually Monopoly Deal because I love playing Monopoly growing up, but how many people have ever actually completed a game of Monopoly where you truly actually have a winner? I have, but not many times. And Monopoly Deal is great because you have the fun of Monopoly and building your properties and all of that, but it takes about 15 minutes for a round because it's all on cards. And I actually really enjoy playing this with my two oldest sons. A lot of times in the evening, we'll squeeze in a quick round before bed. (laughs) And so it's all the fun and nostalgia of Monopoly in a very, very short time frame. Another fun card game is Space Team. Mm. And this is kind of a crazy game where you have a deck of cards and everyone has a couple of cards that they have access to, which have crazy names for like tools or things on this spaceship. And what you are supposed to do is trade your tools to people so you can do the actions that are on the cards for the little deck that you have in in front of you. So you want to crank through all of those actions. You're timed. And then you have to get the all the parts of the spaceship. If you're able to get all the parts of the spaceship before the little timer runs out, then you win as a, a team. And you have these these names for these parts just make absolutely no sense. It's like 
somebody passed me the defibrillator, right? <laughs> and you're like, well, what, what in the world is that? I don't even know what that looks like. And they've mm-hmm. all got like these little icons and that they're just, that's kind of the point. It's like, you don't know exactly what you're looking mm-hmm. for. You don't know what exactly you need it mm-hmm. for. And all of these instructions you have to complete, you have to get like the card combinations and then you can flip to the next card. And occasionally there'll be things like, you're floating away in space. And so all of a sudden, like you're just backing away from the table and swinging your arms and and everyone has to come and grab you and pull you back in. Like that's (laughs) actually part of the card. You can't do anything else in the game until people notice and then they do something to fix the the problem. And so the the picture here is that like you're all on this this spaceship and you're trying to to survive. Uh, But it's a it's a collaborative card game that gets really crazy when everybody's shouting at the the same time the next one here this is actually a, a board game version by the same same people you want to talk about this one yes this one we discovered around christmas time with my when my brother came over he brought this game called ravine and it is a fun collaborative game i mentioned i really like that premise and it's a it's a card game and basically you all are stranded and you have to survive and whoever is, you, you try and all survive, but a lot of times it's not everyone that survives. And they have some really wild, crazy cards on it. But you're collecting things, and if you get some things to eat, you can restore the hearts that you have that you will lose if there's some weather event or some animal. And you have to create like a shelter. If you get certain cards, you can create baskets so that you can collect more <laughs> other things. Each night you have to make a fire. So it's it's not super complicated by any means. Technically it says 12 or above, but um, it's, just a, it's just a really, really fun game, about three to six players. And we've really, really enjoyed that. The boys really like it. It has a lot of elements to it. And you really do have to work together mm-hmm. that whole time. This is a short game. You could probably play around in like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and basically, it's a card version of Lost. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the story behind it is yeah. everybody was on an airplane and it crashed on this island. And in fact, everybody has a specific item from the airplane that they can use. And you're trying to survive until you get the card that says on this day, you know, you've been rescued. And so you have a certain number of cards that you have to go through, a certain number of nights you have to survive mm-hmm. on this, this island. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the resources and you try to keep everybody alive and the space team part of this comes in when you get down to just one heart left because then you draw a madness card and then you have to do crazy things. <laughs> the boys like, love the madness cards. <laughs> they do. They're ridiculous. Just, like you have, to, one of them's like, you have to call the person captain, whatever, or they yep. won't respond. Yep, exactly. Or you can't speak for the rest of your turn yep. or you can't use your hands so someone else has to flip your cards for you and or you, you don't. Or you go crazy and you yeah. hug the person next to you and you can't let go. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but <laughs> it, it's really fun, and it, we've had a lot of fun with that one. Yep. Another one that we play a lot is King of Tokyo, which is kind of based on this comic book sort of a, a feel. Yeah. You've got these different monsters. Each player in the game is a different monster, and you are competing against each other to control Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great boy you game. <laughs> have, you're trying to get a certain number of points in order to win. You get points by being in Tokyo. You can also get points with the way that you roll the dice. And then every monster has a certain amount of hearts. So you're trying to 
stay alive while killing the other monsters or the first person to get to 20 points would also also win. There's different modifiers, different energy cubes, and it's a dice-based game. So you get resources based on how you roll the dice, and then you can use those to attack other monsters. So yeah, do other a combination things. of chance and strategy. Yep. Uh, so I'm probably not doing a very good job of explaining this one, but this has always been near the top of like all the board game ranking sites like Board Game Geek. It's been up there for a very, very long time. They have a bunch of different versions of this, mm-hmm. but King of Tokyo is the place to start. Yeah. No, it's a very fun game. The boys really, really like it. We have the we have two different versions. I believe we have the original and then the yep. dark edition because Toby was very, very into this game and he <laughs> saved his own money to buy the dark edition when it first it's came out. Basically a collector's Dark not edition. meaning bad, but just yeah. a different collector's like, edi- edition. Like dark mode on your iPhone. Yes, yeah, that's basically what <laughs> it is. Everything is black. Yeah, it looks really, really neat. Yeah, it's a bit, got a very unique visual style. Yes, Another recent one that we have enjoyed is Poetry for Neanderthals. <laughs> yes. This game, you, you could think uh, certain people would like it or whatever, but it's a competitive word guessing game and you can't speak more than one syllable. It's so hard. Yep. And it's really funny because my mother-in-law is a very bright woman and she she loves this game. She's like, this is so hard. And it is. Yep. It gives you a word and you're trying to get your teammates to say it but you can only use one syllable and you have someone from the other team who is holding an inflatable <laughs> club like a caveman and if you use a word with more, more than, than one syllable they bop, you. they bop you on the head with it <laughs> so, funny. so obviously the draw for the children is to hold the stick and to bop people yeah but you can play this with kids as young as seven and have two or more players and just team up. But it's a very, very fun game. It really makes you think through how to communicate and get people to guess a word by one syllable. It's very, very challenging. Yeah. I believe it's made by the same people that made another one of our favorite games, which is Exploding Kittens. Oh, it is, I believe. (laughs) Yes, yes. Exploding Kittens is not as evil as it sounds yeah it's weird i mean there's <laughs> some weird, weird cards game. it's a card game where you are trying to avoid drawing the exploding kitten mm-hmm. and if you draw an exploding kitten you blow up and you are out of the game there are diffuse cards you can use to put the exploding kitten back into the deck and when you do that you get to choose where it goes nobody else knows so you can play skips and reverse and all that sort of stuff, Uno style, to try to manipulate who gets, who's draws the the top card, and then mm-hmm. you draw that card. If it's not an exploding kitten, you add it to your hand, and you can use it for other things. If you do draw the exploding kitten, you're out of the game. You you start with one less exploding kitten than there are people in the game, and so when it gets down to the end, you kind of know where it is, mm-hmm. and so that's when you're trying to make it so that the other person draws that specific card instead of you. It's not so random at that point. It's more yes. a game of, of strategy. I am not great at it at all, but Taco, Cat, Goat, Cheese, Pizza <laughs> is a fast-paced card game that's really fun for all ages, 10 to 15 minutes around. I am really not super great at it, but basically it gives you a picture of one of those five things I just listed and you have to say 
as you're sitting in a circle, you have to say in that order as you lay down a card, one by one, taco, cat, goat, cheese, pizza. But that's not necessarily what's on the card that you lay from your yep. hand. Yep, exactly. And if it is, you all have to slap those stack of cards in the middle. And yep. the last one to slap it has to take the whole stack. So it's kind of like Uno in a sense where you want to get out of cards first. Yep. But it's tricky because you have to say the sequence of five things in order by person as you lay a card but that's not what you're laying up with what people are saying and if you're slow to react (laughs) then you have to add it to your stack so it's kind of like the reverse of war at that point too but then there's also other cards we have to do in action there's groundhog where you have to knock on the table and then slap the deck of cards in the middle Mm -hmm. or I forget the other, narwhal, you have to like put your hands above your head and then <laughs> slap the yep. table and there's and one other, gorilla, you have to like thump your chest and yep. then, so it's it's really fun. It is. Uh, another card game is Sushi Go, although I'm going to say don't get the regular Sushi Go, go for the Sushi Go Just, party yep, right away. Because then you can play with more people. And uh, Sushi Go is the the vanilla one and there's certain things that are core elements to the game that are in that one. But then Sushi Go Party basically has different things that can kind of modify the game. It's a pretty simple game, which is why Sushi Go Party is the one to go with because very quickly, I think you'll get to the the point where Sushi Go is is getting a little bit repetitive. repetitive. Yeah. yeah. So Sushi Go Party, you have the, the board and you pick out like different categories of things for, for each time. But the basic idea is that everybody takes a single card and adds it to their thing and then they take their hand and they pass it to the person on the left. Then you say, sushi, go. And then everybody flips over one card from the cards that were Mm -hmm. passed to them and then again, you pass it to the left. And you're trying to develop these sets and get points for things Mm -hmm. that way. But because your hand is always changing, you really never know what what you're going to get to work with. And then at the end, you've got, you know, three sashimis, so you get 15 points Mm -hmm. or... I uh, forget, like you get points for the the dumplings if you collect a certain number of those. Yeah. So there's lots of different strategies that people can use to try to get the most points, but it's all going to be successful or not based on the types of cards that you're being handed, yeah. which is where it gets interesting. That's It's fun because again, when we mentioned early earlier about developing vocabulary, this is one where they definitely do sashimi mm-hmm. and sushi and nigiri and all these different things that they yep. are learning. They're like, what is this? And a little side note, this is pretty funny. I bought myself a little bit of sushi to bring to school for my lunch on Tuesday. And two of my boys go, oh, sushi. I love sushi. And I was like, <laughs> I don't remember introducing you, you to sushi. sushi so <laughs> I, I shared it with them and they absolutely loved it. And, you know, if it wasn't for Sushi Go, the game, I don't know that they would have been that thrilled about trying it, just yep. looking at it. Yeah, that's true. So it's kind of a side note that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> would you say Labyrinth is a good one to mention? The game It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Labyrinth is basically this board where certain tiles move and certain tiles don't. Yep. And you slide them in on your turn from different categories and you're trying to line them up in a way that you have a path to get the next item on your list and you flip that card and you go for the next one. Yeah, it's fun because our all even our younger boys can play it. So you're just trying to work your way through your stack of cards to keep making paths to your next item. Mm-hmm. And it, it's fun too because it's there is one winner. But what we all end up doing is we all end up seeing paths for each other and helping each other. We're like, <laughs> holy, true. didn't you see this one? That's true. And it's funny. You really are 
developing a lot of um, hand-eye coordination, some um, spatial awareness and things like that as you're seeing different strategies to move a tile to get the right path. So that that's that's a really fun one. Another fun one, which I don't think you've played a whole lot, but Toby and I have played a ton, is called Control. Oh, yeah. You haven't played that in a while. We have not. You guys it's used to a, have a tally of who won <laughs> it's true. in the box. That was one of the ones that we would always bring to the, the one-on-ones uh-huh. at the coffee shop. It's a card game where you are competing against each other to escape the the black hole, basically. And the way you do that is you accumulate 21 points. And uh, you have the rounds go really fast. You draw a card and you can play it. You can discard it. You can draw from the pile that somebody discarded. There are certain numbers of cards in different areas. It's a, like 60 cards in the deck. And after you played it a while, you start to understand like what people are looking for, what the strategies are. So you're trying to always stay like one step ahead of the other person. And you take turns going first. You get little coins when you win a round. And the first person to win three rounds basically ends up winning the game. Anything a, Anything else on your list? The only thing, other thing I can think of is that a lot of people have pl- probably played the game Clue. Oh, yes. But there's Clue Master Detective, which is super fun because you can play it with it's better. way more people. And there's there's the board is probably twice as big. There's more mm-hmm. rooms, more people, more weapons. And it takes a lot. It takes longer. But it is, it's really fun. It adds a lot more complexity to it. So basically think clue with more variables. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it, so even like the older children or as adults, you can really enjoy that one. But that's uh, one we had found in the last probably year and a half that we've been enjoying. Yep. Uh, One other, well, actually a couple other ones I'll mention here quickly for littler kids. Uh, We did not mention Catan. We have Catan. Oh, that's a great game. We play it. I don't think we, I don't think it's that great, to be honest. I think okay. it's the one that is really popular. Sure. But all the games that we've listed here today, we enjoy more than Catan. Even though yeah, we have played very much Catan. We have worn out <laughs> multiple copies of and Catan. And that was really you and I, even before we had children. Yep. yep. So that's that's a, a decent one. Um, but there's a couple here which are great for... Littler kids. So we mentioned Carcassonne. We really like Carcassonne. Oh, there's yes. A, there's a kid's I version know. for Carcassonne mm-hmm. called My First Carcassonne. That's a great game. Yeah. It's actually kind of interesting still even as an adult, but it teaches the little ones the the basics of, of Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. And it's a, so you, it's the same concept. You've got the tiles and you place them together, except that when you uh, complete things, you add your, your guys to the your, your meeples to the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they kind of understand the the fundamental elements of, of Carcassonne. Uh, another one that was shipped to us was Rhino Hero. Oh, yes. That's which... fun. So <laughs> to, the first person that goes, this is really cute how it starts. Who was the last one to do a nice deed for another person? I like So that. right from the get-go, you're like, who's who was recently a hero? It could be even something as like setting the table for mom. Mm-hmm. But it's fun because you get to go first and you get playing cards. And there's like these little, almost it's like a deck of cards, but they're folded in half. And what you yep. do is you have to build 
like almost like card stacking in a sense where exactly. you have to build this tower and you have this little wooden rhino figure and he's the hero and he keeps moving up and there's yep. different actions with each card and the goal is to stack it as high as you can without it falling and the yeah. first one to actually get rid of all their cards wins but the whole stacking of it is really fun yeah and it's really easy to to play yeah just if don't bump have, the table. Yeah, if you've got some wiggly kids, <laughs> it, might, it might actually be good for teaching them yes. some self-control. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> we have some of those. Yep. Well, hopefully this gave you some inspiration to maybe pick up some board games. You know, it's really good to just change up the routine. If you find yourself banging your head against the wall sometimes, like, oh, I feel like I'm just disciplining my kids and it just feels so negative. You know, switch it up, play a board game. Have some fun. Yeah, get away from that screen, introduce something new, and just enjoy being together. We have found so much value in this as a family, and we encourage you to do the same. Thanks for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.